You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. When the NASCAR Cup Series came to Kansas Speedway recently, I moved around the garage area looking to line up future guests for the podcast. I was looking for drivers, crew chiefs, even team owners. And then I met Jordan Page. Jordan is a jack man for the number 23 team, co-owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. 23 cars driven by Bubba Wallace, the only black driver in NASCAR's highest circuit. As I waited by the hauler to speak with a PR representative for the 23 team, I heard a deep voice say, I'll be on your podcast. I had not really considered digging into the support roles of the race teams, even though the drivers know that they wouldn't get very far around the track without their pit crews. I I watched Jordan during the race. His role is a high energy, physically strenuous role, and he did it very well. So I invited Jordan to join us. Jordan, welcome to Sports Connections. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the compliment. (laughs) All right. Well, easy way to start. How did you get involved in NASCAR? Well, uh, I played college football. And uh, at the time, I was at uh, Clark Atlanta University playing football. And basically, once I was done playing, uh, this NASCAR program came to my school, basically recruiting athletes to get into the pit crew. Uh, The program is called uh, D4D, Drive for Diversity. So basically, they came down and, you know, put me through a bunch of tests, basically like a combine. They basically see how I move, strength, you know, stuff that they would need, you know, to be able to evaluate me. So I did pretty well at it. And uh, they invited me to do a national combine uh, here in Charlotte. And uh, they were picking 10 people out of 20 to actually be into the program. And, you know, I was able to make one of the one of the 10 spots. You know, so I've been doing it ever since. That was back in 2016. Okay, it's you know, I, I didn't ask you this when we when we met. You're a big dude, and I was going to ask you if you played sports in high school. So you obviously did in high school and in college. Was football your best sport? Yeah, football was my best sport. Uh, I got into it at the age of six, and I just took a liking to it, you know, very quickly. Uh, Pretty much before I got, you know, really tall. So, you know, I kind of just had a love for football real early on, and I did play basketball, you know, after that. But uh, something about football, you know, just, just I just was drawn to it. And I just stuck with it and it, you know, been, been good to me, really. Now, you talked about the fact that they were recruiting athletes uh, for this NASCAR program. Talk about the correlation between sports in general, but especially football and what you do now as part of the pit crew. Uh, well, the correlation, you know, would be obviously the fitness and the athletic part, you know, that we have to, you know, do with both. And, uh being able to work with others, you know, going off people's strengths, being able to perform under pressure. That's another thing that you have to do. And I feel like for me, the confidence that I had playing football, you know, I just transitioned that into NASCAR, you know, being reassured myself, being confident, you know, in my abilities and being able to perform under pressure, which I take pride in. I feel like a lot of those tools being disciplined, you know, that kind of helped me transition into the sport, you know, fairly easy. It's for people who aren't real, aren't well versed in NASCAR. And I would consider myself probably in that group to a certain extent Though I've covered the sport for a while, but I'm not, I'm not in the trenches. We don't think of, you know, we talk about the NASCAR team, but it's all about the driver from the publicity standpoint, but the team, especially the pit crew has to work together. But what, let me ask you is what position did you play on, on the football field? I played defensive end in college. I would have guessed that just by standing (laughs) next to you. You look like a defensive end. 
But even a defensive end, which is, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but you're basically your role is to set the edge on the run and to get to the quarterback. But you depend on your linebackers. You depend on your secondary guys covering. You depend on the defensive tackle next to you, occupying maybe two guys so you can get around that edge. It's a teamwork game, and so is NASCAR. You're the, you're the jack man, so your role is pretty basic. You get there and you, you jack up the car. But you have to do that in coordination with your, with your fellow team members. How much is teamwork that you learned as a football player, how much does that carry over to your job in the pit crew? Uh, it carries over, you know, quite a bit, being that you can't have success without the guys around you. You know, football, you know, you can make individual plays here and there, but you really need the team, everybody on the team to do their job. And with the pit crew, there's no individual plays. You know, every play is like a team play. Every pit stop, whether good or bad, the whole team is represented by that. So. You definitely, you definitely have to depend on one another to do their job and like they depend on you to do your job. And uh, it's funny that I played defensive end in football, but Jackman is like the quarterback of the pit <laughs> crew. So it's like it starts with me and it ends with me as far as the pit stop. So, you know, uh, I touch the car first and I'm the last person, you know, to finish the pit stop. So it's definitely a lot of pressure as a Jackman, but you definitely have to be able to maneuver it and, you know, deal with everybody's, you know, choreography, you know, around the car, just so, you know, you don't trip over anybody, nobody trips over you. It's definitely a timing thing when it comes to, you know, how well you get along with the guy that you have on the team. Now, you, you talk about the fact that the Jackman is the quarterback of the pit crew, but like on the football field, the quarterback gets the most attention with, with NASCAR, the driver gets the attention. How much joy do you get seeing Bubba get praise for how well he performs when you knew, when you know, you have a very valuable role in that, in his success. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, the success of the driver is everybody's objective. So, you know, everybody that works on the team from mechanics, crew chief to pit crew, uh, we all care about the success of the driver because it makes us all look good. So we all we all want to put our energy and our focus towards making him look good. And if we do good pit stops, you know, in the midst of that, you know, kudos to us, kudos to the guys who build the car. But, you know, the, the main priority is to make sure that he's running good and that he finishes well. And, you know, we just want to get him in and get him out on the pitch as fast as possible. So I, I definitely love when, you know, he's successful on the track because it makes it look good overall. You know, that means that everybody's doing their part. Yeah. And, you know, it only, shine, it only shines on us even more if, you know, he has a good finish. Just like as far as everybody else that works on, on the team, it just, you know, just gets confirmation that we're doing our job as well. Uh, how long have you been with the 23 team? Well, this is my first year on the 23. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I work for Joe Gibbs Racing, and, you know, we basically work for 23XI as well as far as the pit crew. So this is my first a year on both teams, basically. What's what's that like to work in first such a, a high profile sport, but with such a high profile team? And I'm first of all talking about Joe Gibbs Racing. I, I got to know Joe when I was, and not well, but when I worked for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he was heavily involved in that. But to be with such an, a a well respected organization like Joe Gibbs Racing, it's definitely an honor. Uh, when I first got into the sport, 
you know, everybody told me that Joe Gibbs were, you know, the best in the sport. And that's where everybody wanted to be, like on that level, at that, you know, at that level of competition. So it was a, a goal of mine, a dream of mine to be a part of Joe Gibbs when I first started. And it's just the way everything lined up, my progression and, you know, being able to catch their attention, catch their eye and make everything come together with getting on the team this year and having the position on the 23XI, I feel like it just, everything added up exactly. I couldn't even have planned or dreamed for it to go as well as it went as far as like the timing and everything of me getting the Gibbs and being able to be a part of this team, 23XI. You know, it mm -hmm. just couldn't, it couldn't be a better honor to be a part of both of these organizations, you know, yeah. at this point in my career. Now, you and I talked a little bit about this uh, leading up to, to today's recording. Black crew members are not quite as rare as black drivers in NASCAR, but there still aren't many uh, black members of the crew, of, of the crews, the pit crews. Do you feel like you're setting a standard or carrying a banner for uh, fellow black men to be in the role you're in? I feel like there's definitely a standard that you have to set because you want to represent yourself well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you always want to have be a good example for the next guy that's trying to, you know, follow you. So as far as I feel like I kind of have a receiving of a torch, you know, if you will, from the mm -hmm. previous guys who were pit crew members who are minorities. So I feel like after years go by and people come in and out of sport, you just kind of want to continue to pass that torch on to the next, you know, generation of pit crew guys or drivers that come into the sport that are minorities. So I feel like at that point, you kind of do want to set a good example. You know, you want to look good, you know, try to do your best and be able to have good things said about you as far as like your resume, you know, so. You definitely want to set a standard as far as that much. I definitely feel that type of, you know, uh, position to be able to put a good example out there for others. Does that, does that cause pressure for you? I'm thinking back to the, to the early to mid eighties in pro football, when you had guys like Doug Williams who played at Grambling, which is a, one of the traditionally black colleges. Um, and, you know, and, and now there's as many black quarterbacks in the NFL as there are white quarterbacks. And it's almost we're not quite there yet. We're getting there. It's almost not a big deal to have a black quarterback. You feel pressure that if you do your job well, that eventually nobody's going to care if, if the driver's black or white, if the crew member is black or white. Uh, not so much pressure as far as like uh, race is concerned. I just feel pressure when it comes to just me performing, you know, my position. You know, that's pretty much the only pressure that I have really. You know, it's whether I'm black or white, if I do my job good or not, that doesn't really cross my mind when I, I mean, it could be a factor, it could not be a factor. Yeah. I just try to make sure I can control what I can do and that's performing on the, on the, on the racetrack, on the pit road. So that's pretty much the only pressure that I feel, you know, okay. personally. I, I want to, and we talked, we talked a little bit about this. I want to ask about how NASCAR has grown, you know, and you weren't part of Bubba's team last year. Uh, but, you know, with this the incident in, at Talladega, how has NASCAR grown in terms of race relations from your perspective? Because you were part of NASCAR, you just weren't part of his team. Do you see growth uh, in NASCAR in that area? Yeah, I, I definitely see a lot of growth, uh, especially between this year and last year with just how many other fans that probably would never have tuned into a NASCAR race or attended one, you know, coming to the track, wanting to be involved wanting to learn about it mm -hmm. and NASCAR has been nothing but helping and accepting of all the new fans and you know the new ideas that people are coming to NASCAR with so I definitely see a, a good shift and a good turn in the right direction as far as like race relations between you know NASCAR and minorities like myself.
what what still needs to be done? I feel like we're going in the right direction. I feel like progressively over time, you know, it'll just grow and grow more to, you know, all different type of ethnicities getting into NASCAR. And I feel like it's definitely opened up more. Like it's a lot more open, a lot more accepting now. So people feel like, okay, maybe I can get into NASCAR now. Maybe before they didn't feel like, you know, that was a place for them. And now they're like, okay, ideas are sparking in their head. Like, okay, I can do that too. You know, they're in it, they're being successful. I can get in as well. And they'll be accepting of me getting into it. It's not like they'll get into it and not feel like they're welcome. You know, I got I came into the sport and I didn't feel nothing but welcoming since I've been in the sport with the guys that I've been working with. So I feel like that'll just get better over time. That's great. All right. In case you didn't notice, I'm white. Uh, and I always have been. <laughs> what can what can old white guys, I, I just turned 63, what can old white guys like me do to help this situation? Uh, just the spreading the awareness, you know, that there are minorities in this sport and, you know, we are successful and we are good at what we do. And that I feel like that spread of that knowledge just to let people know that, you know, this sport exists and this profession exists to them and they have a chance to actually get in it and do well. I feel like the awareness right there would just help spread the knowledge and spread the growth of people's interest in the sport as well. Okay. Well, that's great. I, I love, I love doing this. I'll tell you, um, I've, I've followed NASCAR for quite a few years, uh, some, sometimes more than others. And I started when I, we'd race home from church and we had a rule in our house when we had just one TV, whoever had the remote first controlled it. And I noticed that my son would race in and he'd turn on NASCAR and I'd want to watch football. And I noticed that after a while, when he would leave the room, I wouldn't change it from NASCAR to football. I would, I would keep it on NASCAR. And I now have a favorite team to root for. So I, I appreciate that. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit. I'm, I'm going to put, I'm going to do a little role playing with you. Okay. The, you know, the caution flag is out and the cars are coming down uh, pit road and the 23 car is about to pull into the pits I want you to describe your role. And by the way, you have 13 seconds to do it. Go. Well, I jump out in front of the car, go to the right side, jack the right side up, I index the right front, drop it, uh, run around to the left side and index the left rear. Once the guys are done, button up the lug nuts, drop it, and we're out. Wow. <laughs> and you really do it almost that fast, don't you? <laughs> yes, that's, that's pretty much you know, the average or right around where we like to be. 12 seconds is, you know, an A plus, you know, anything faster, you know, you're, you're really on the horse, but you know, right around 12 second mark, that's where you want to go. Okay. Tell me what, I mean, I was just so, so wrapped up in what you were saying. What is index? You say you index the front, right and index the back left. What do you mean by that? That's the terminology that we use. Basically when you put the tire on the car, they call it an index. So some people say index, some people say hang, but we don't use, we don't just say put the tire on, you know, it's just index is the word that the term that I was told, the term that everybody knows as far as like you hang tires or carry tires, index is the term where you put it on there perfectly, line the hose up with the studs and, you know, it goes on flat. And so basically you're in, when you say you're indexing, you're making sure that that front right tire is completely re is done because if you drop the jack, too quickly and they're not done, that's a problem. That is a problem. You can have a loose wheel. You can disrupt the pattern of the changer getting the lug nuts tight. So when you index it and it's a good one, it goes on flat, it's flush. So as soon as he starts tightening up the lug nuts, 
the wheel was already on the back of the hub and you know you won't have any problems you know with it not being all the way tight or not being the lug nut not being all the way drawn up to the wheel wow <laughs> that's just amazing jordan and it's so cool um so and we talked about this earlier it's almost like a choreographed dance routine with everybody doing their role simultaneously how hard is it to get that timing down because I've watched it. I've watched, I watched it even more so this past or, you know, recently when you guys were here, but you know, you're, you get around, you find that spot, you push it down twice, I think. And then, and, and it's really fast. How hard is it to get that timing down? After a while of you doing it uh, and you develop your own skills, going with guys that are good, it makes it easier. You know, when, you, when you're all learning, that's when timing is off. Everybody's, you know, not in sync. But the guys I've been pitting with, they've been doing it 10 plus years. So it was kind of easy for, for me to basically just make sure I'm on time and I'm doing my job and we can mesh. But, you know, being with a new team, it took us a couple of races to get, you know, our, our mojo to really fit each other out in actual race and not just in practice because there's a bit of a difference, more pressure, you know, different scenarios. But, uh. It, it takes about a, a few races in to be able to really mess, you know, really get good to where you kind of know each other's, you know, timing. But uh, once you get it, you know, you kind of feel comfortable with it. But it, it definitely takes a little minute for it to happen. How much do you practice during a week? Three to four days a week. I mean, what you practice the, the, you know, that 13 seconds or 12 seconds jumping off yeah. a wall. I mean, do you have a wall in your in your garage that you jump off to practice this? Yes, uh, at Joe Giz, we have a pit pad where we basically simulate pit stops. We have a practice car come in, you know, and basically simulate everything we would do at the race. You know, whatever type of choreography we're doing at the race, we simulate the same thing at the track. And we just try to go as fast as, we, as, fast as we can and be as clean as we can so we yeah. know our limits. You know, so if you, you, you can go all out and practice just pushing your limit. And, you know, in the race, you know, OK, I can go this fast, but to be safe and everything, you know, be correct we can back it down just a little bit and it'll still be fast. Yeah. So that's our, basically our mindset. Like try to go as fast as you can, be as clean as you can just to see how fast you can push it, how fast we can go. And then basically in the race, it'll be maybe a half a second slower, but still be a 12, five or still be somewhere around that, you know, yeah. that margin. Because clean is just as important as fast. Clean is just important as fast. If they, they say, if you're clean, it'll be fast. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now do you, does the 23 team, the pit crew have a nickname. When I first started following NASCAR, uh, there were the Rainbow Warriors. Everybody wanted to be the Rainbow Rainbow Warriors, and that right. was Jeff Gordon's crew. Do you guys have a nickname? I think because we're this is the first year, we do not have a nickname yet. <laughs> we do not have yeah. a nickname yet. You want me to come up with one? <laughs> I mean, I would like to hear, you know, what, what type of ideas you have. They might be a good ones. You might actually have to use those. Yeah, well, I, I don't have one, but uh, let me work on this. Got to have something with, got to have something with Jordan in it. So I got to ask, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what's it like to work for Michael Jordan? It's really like a dream for me, uh, being that my name is Jordan. Growing up, you know, having nothing but Michael Jordan stuff surrounding me, you know, at the house, you know, outside. I always just wanted to meet him but I never would have ever thought I would be connected with him as far as like working for him or anything like that. It was just like a surreal moment when I was told that I would be on his car. Cause I couldn't even have, you know, dreamt of 
working with him, being a close, being in close proximity with him. And it's like on a professional uh, level, you know, not yeah. just like a fan, you know, not just meeting him out somewhere randomly. Like I actually work for him and, you know, he's visible and I can actually talk to him and stuff like that, shake his hand. So it's definitely something that uh, I dreamed about. And when it came true, it was kind of surreal for me. Does he give you grief about the fact that you spell your name incorrectly? <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> that's a good one. I definitely thought that he would mention something like that, but he, he hasn't said anything yet about, you know, the different spelling of the name, you know? So I guess that's good for me. <laughs> does, does he, does he know that your name is Jordan? Yes. He does know my name is Jordan. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just, and for those of people who are listening and not looking at the, at the title of the, of the podcast, our Jordan here spells his name J O R D E N, not like the other guy. The other Jordan. <laughs> From now on, Michael's going to be the other Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask you one more thing about the pit stops, and I skipped over this. How will things change? How will your role change next year when NASCAR switches to the one lug wheels? Well, my basically my choreography will be similar. Jack the carb on the right side, index the tire on the right front. You know, jack the carb on the left side, index the left rear. But it'll be simplified because the wheel is only has one center hub and doesn't have five studs. But you have to move even more faster because it, there's not five lug nuts on the car. Right. There's not five studs on the car. So everything will be faster. It's simplified, but faster, which that's what the difficulty comes in at. It yeah. being that much faster. And it's really like a non-stop pit stop. Like you're basically moving the whole time. Everybody, not just, you know, me yeah. or the changer or the carrier. Everybody's it's non-stop moving just to make it as fast as it can go. You know, so it's definitely going to be, you know, more grueling on your body to be able to go that fast, stop at the stop at the stop, you know. So, but you have to be physically prepared for it, you know, and I'm, I plan on being prepared for it when that, when the 2020 season comes. What, 2022 sorry what um do you have any idea what the average pit stop i know the average now is 13 to 15 seconds with just the, the single lug on each tire would you you have any idea what the average pit stop is going to be and what your goal is going to be right now there is no telling what the average uh pit stop time will be at the track you know uh practicing it that's one thing but until we get real data at the track you know there's no telling you know what's the safe time you frame right. you want to be in you know what's like too fast you know so we definitely you know have to do trial and error with you know how fast we can actually push it at the track so until we you know get some real data you know i really can't say what the yeah it should be faster though i can say that <laughs> it should be yeah. faster so you guys, you guys are practicing with the single lugs now yes yes we we we've have uh practice with it you know so we getting familiar with it you know as much as we can okay and, and you talked about uh, the fact that you, you know, right now you have to be physically fit to do this. And with the, with the single lugs, you will have to be even, even more fit because it's constant motion. Talk about how you, and obviously as a former college athlete, you know how to get in shape uh, much more than I, as a 63 year old sports <laughs> writer who sits on his rear end all day, but to talk about your fitness routine, how you get ready for you know, not only the weekend, but all week long as you're doing this, that you're doing, you're practicing this and you're trying to get better at it. So basically from my regimen that I do, uh, I basically work on a lot of lower body 
workouts, stuff like explosion, you know, be, basically practicing the motion and just making it faster. My motion around the car, when I drop the car, my motion, when I get the tire to indexing it, you want to work on those muscles so you can make them just that much faster so you can be able to grab it and go or drop the jack and go. So basically right now my uh, training regimen is a lot of lower body things, a lot of core, you know, upper body strength, you know, the tires are lighter. So you don't need as much upper body strength as you would with the heavier wheels, but uh, you still want to be able to grab it and go, you know, and not even, you know, it can be lighter than feather to you. So right now yeah. I'm just trying to get more flexible as well so I can bend down low and get on and basically index the tire clean and flat and just be more explosive and flexibility. That's what I really want to work on. So as a jack man, are you carrying tires as well? No, I, okay. I just have to put the tires on once the carrier who actually carries them out Oh, okay. Places it. Yeah, he places it down in front of me, and I basically grab it from there and put it on. I got you. Okay, so you're you're jacking it, then you switch to your right, put the tire on, go back. You know, then then the guy with the with the air wrench puts the lugs on. You release the jack, run around, do the same thing on the other. Okay. Yes, sir. Right. You got it. How, how much? And I and I I didn't have that knowledge, so. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of these questions as we go. How similar is the training? It sounds like it's very similar to getting off the ball. You're the defensive end. You're watching the center. As soon as he makes that movement, you get off the ball and you're either trying to set the edge if it's a running play or you're trying to get to the quarterback. Is that training, that explosiveness that you talked about, is that similar? That, that explosive, that uh, training is similar. It definitely is similar. I do some of the same movements. Now, with this, for the explosion and the lower body, you know, strengthening the same movements I did for football when I was training for the same the same part of my game as far as, like, being explosive and getting off the ball. And you're definitely doing some of the same workouts to All get right. that, you know, that quick twitch, you know, in you. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the highlight of you're, – you're not that far into your NASCAR career. What's been the highlight so far? Well – I can say I have an official highlight now uh, with Bubba Wallace winning at Talladega. That was my first uh, cup win. So that, that's definitely I can hang my hat on something like have a real official uh, highlight of my career finally. And uh, uh, meeting Michael Jordan, obviously, you know, or maybe like, <laughs> you know, that has to be up there as well. Uh, he actually hugged me, you know, one time before a race. And uh, I feel like that was a special moment. Like, ah. Uh, I didn't see it coming. You know, he just kind of reached in and gave me a hug. And I was like, that was probably one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. So <laughs> that's up there. Uh, definitely. Those two things, like I say, that happened this year. You know, I've okay. won the Xfinity race. I've won the ARCA race. But I can say, you know, those two things this year, definitely at the top of my list. And, and then telling him how to properly spell Jordan. Um, <laughs> you have aspirations of going higher, both in the team and in the sport? Uh. I'm not a mechanic, so as far as, like, within the team, I wouldn't have any aspirations, but I, I would like to do some marketing for NASCAR, you know, to spread the awareness, you know, of the sport and to, to try to bring more people in that maybe had no idea about the sport, didn't know they could they would like it or be in it. So I would love to do something like that, you know, just spread the awareness and get people, you know, tuned in, you know, let them get more, bring more fans to the sport. I would love to do that. I'll tell you what, I am very impressed with you, young man. It's just that... I think NASCAR needs to use people like you. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about young, energetic, 
former athletes from other sports. Yeah, the fact that you're black, great. But when I'm talking about use people like you, I'm talking about all the other things that go into that articulate, energetic, uh, falling in love with the sport, even even admitting that one of the highlights is getting a hug from Michael Jordan. I think that's <laughs> cool. They NASCAR needs to use you uh, to to propel the sport. I think that would be I think that would be great. Uh, I agree, are, and I appreciate that. What are your long term goals in life beyond NASCAR? Beyond NASCAR. Uh, I really just want to, you know, be able to help my family and be able to start by, you know, getting investments so I can, you know, just make sure I have the income that I need to be able to take care of my family. Because you know, I come from Buffalo, New York. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about, you know, that area, but, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of poverty and, you know, it's, it's, you know, not the safest place. And I would just like to be able to take care of my family, move them out of that neighborhood and, you know, get them somewhere where they can enjoy, you know, life and see a different side of life than what we're used to. But if, if I can do whatever I can do to achieve that and make sure my family's safe and we're growing and we're, you know, doing just doing better with our lives, I would love to do that. So that's like a love goal, a life goal of mine. And however way I can get there, as far as like being successful in NASCAR and anything outside of NASCAR, I'm going to do that to try to just make sure that, you know, I can, keep our family safe and keep my name, you know, alive, my last name, make my father proud, make my mother proud, you know, and just be able to, you know, people have people say good things about, you know, our family and what I'm trying to do for my family. So are you a part of Bill's mafia? Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, I, if, if, if I held up a book, um, it wouldn't show well because of the green screen and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm, I remember the Kansas City Chiefs moving to Kansas City in 1963. So I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan. So I would rub that into it, but then you would come back with earlier this season when you guys <laughs> pretty much uh, wiped the field with uh, with the Chiefs players. So we will have mutual respect for each other as Bills fans and, and Chiefs fans. Talk about your family, your, your parents, you have brothers and sisters. I'm guessing you're not married. Just talk about your family. Uh, no, I am not married. But uh, I do have a, a brother, older brother, and I have a, two sisters, one older, one younger than me, uh, my father and my mother. She passed away when I was five. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah. So I appreciate that. So yeah, it's been me, my brothers, my sister, you know, my father, he basically been raising us along with his mother, my grandmother. So, you know, basically, you know, my father was the person that, you know, made me who I am today, really. Okay. I always like to wrap wrap up my interviews for the podcast with this and, and you can take it whatever direction you're a young man. I'm guessing you're still in your mid twenties uh, just from things you've said. So it's kind of, it may, you may say, well, I don't have one yet. So you can interpret it. What do you want it to be? So this is the question. What is your legacy? What would I want my legacy to be? If, if that's how you want to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, if you have one already, you go ahead. I've, I've interviewed, uh, a friend of mine who's a pro football hall of famer, his name's Bobby Bell. And he had the best answer for this. I've done 150 of these so far. And his best answer so far was I want to live my life. So the preacher don't have to lie at my funeral. Wow. <laughs> so that's what, a great one. What, you know, you can say what <laughs> it is already or what you want it to be. What's your legacy? Uh, it, I guess my legacy will be similar to, or what I want it to be will be similar to something like that. I want to put it in those exact words, but that's a very good one. Uh, I would just like to be known as whatever I did, whatever I put my name on, you know, 
I actually did it to the best of my ability and I was actually good at it. You know, like I went, whatever I touched, whether it was football, you know, whether it was NASCAR, you know, even interviewing with you, whatever I do, I just want people to say he was good at that. You know, with, without anything else, he was a good guy. And he was good at what he did, whatever, no matter what it was. And I mean, if I can hang my hat on that. If somebody tells my grandkid or my, my great grandkid that, you know, I knew your grandfather and he was real good at whatever it was, you know, that'll make me happy. You know, just, just be able to say that I did something great or good, you know, with my time on the earth. I would just, that's what I would hang my hat on as far as a legacy. I just want to be remembered for being, I would say, nice at, you know, whatever I did. <laughs> All right. Well, my friend, I, I, can say, I can say you are well on your way to that. And, and I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. And I wish you, wish you much success. And when you guys are back in April next spring, uh, we will definitely, we'll go out for some barbecue. How about that? I, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely, we should definitely, you know, keep in touch. And then, and then you can t- teach me how to jump off the back of a pickup truck and break a table. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I haven't done that. You know, I might can show you some videos about it, but I haven't done it personally. You know, okay. wrestling, is, wrestling is really big in Buffalo. So that probably explains why we, you know, do things like that. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you joining us. No problem, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.